Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 28, Daniel 70 Weeks, Part 3. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Welcome, everybody, to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I am Scott Mitchell here with... Zena. And we're going to talk about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. Welcome, Zena. It's so good to be back. We're glad to have you here for episode number 28. Right. Whoa. Yeah, so we're moving along here. We've been talking about Daniel's 70 weeks. Yes. And we're going to continue with that. we got more, more math. Okay, I'm okay with that. <laughs> more mathematics to discuss. So um, the last thing we were talking about was that um, this passage in the book of Daniel where the 70 weeks are mentioned, is discussing a timeline of when God's going to restore Israel. Yes. So basically everything that we're looking at in prophecy sort of hinges around when is this thing going to come to yes. pass. And the last thing we were looking at was that Israel uh, rejected Messiah, and so he returned to his place, and God's waiting for the confession. Now, Messiah equals Jesus, correct? Right. Christ, okay. the Christ, Messiah. Christ is the Greek version of it. Messiah is the Hebrew version, but they mean okay. the same thing, the anointed one. Okay. Right. So Jesus is the Christ, but the nation didn't receive him. They were crucified him. And so in Isaiah chapter 51, uh, or excuse me, in Isaiah chapter 53, we noticed that he was rejected. We talked a little bit about how this... Um, uh, chapter when it's studied in Israel in the synagogue, they skip chapter 53. Yes, that's and, right. And it talks about, and maybe not everywhere, but but I know it's been done traditionally. And it talks about Christ being bruised for their iniquities. It says, uh, who hath believed our report in verse one, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So it's a picture of Christ being rejected by the nation. Mm -hmm. And so what we find out is that rejection actually ended up being the culmination of 69 of the 70 weeks. So we'll, we'll go back to remind our viewers, our listeners, they're not our viewers, <laughs> we'll remind our listeners that the 70 weeks equals 70 weeks of years. Yes. So it's 70 times 7, which is 490. 
And remember, we talked about a Persian king named Cyrus yes. who made the decree that Israel could go back and rebuild the temple from the captivity of Nebuchadnezzar. And so that decree went forth in 450 B.C., and if we go by that sort of time scale, because I've realized different calendars measure different things, mm -hmm. but I would think that it, 450 B.C. would go all the way down to 0 B.C., and that would technically be the year in which Christ was born. Okay. Because A.D. starts after his birth, right? Mm -hmm. So then, and he was crucified when he was 33 years old. So young. But a lot of people don't realize Jesus' ministry was only from age 30 to 33. Whoa. Yeah. When, when he was preaching his message to Israel, it was just three and a half years. Okay. And when he died, if you add up the years of 450 to zero and then 33, you get 483 years, which equals 69 times seven. Yeah. So 69 weeks. So there's one week left in the prophecy or one more group of seven years. And we're going to find out that that got interrupted. The clock stopped. Okay. So we're missing seven years, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So we go back to our focal passage in the book of Daniel where we discuss the very numbers we're talking about in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, where we read, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. And we talked a little bit about what that transgression was. And it, Ultimately, it was the rejection of Christ, okay? Uh, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, all of the sins that led up to that, uh, and to bring in everlasting righteousness when he returns, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, in other words, fulfill everything, the 70 weeks, and to anoint the most holy, which would be when Christ returns. He will be anointed to be king over Israel and actually king of the world you know, king on the earth. So all the nations will be under his uh, rule at that point, which okay. is going to be great because then we'll have righteousness and real justice yes, <laughs> and peace and prosperity and all the things <laughs> that we want, right? So when uh, the 70 weeks are completed, he returns. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about that final 70th week. And why is it that it was interrupted? So if we back up in the prophecy, uh, he speaks in verse 25, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, which came from Cyrus in 450 B.C., unto the Messiah the Prince, which is Christ, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And we talked about a score being 20, so threescore would be 60. So when we break that down and we find out there's three groups, there's the seven weeks, there's three score and two weeks, and then there's the final week. So the seven weeks times seven is 49 years. Mm -hmm. That appears to be how long it took to rebuild the temple once the decree went forth. The city, the temple, everything. Okay. And they did it in troublous times, which means it was like they were being opposed the whole time. The people that had come into the land when they were carried captive didn't want to give it back. <laughs> so they were fighting them as they were trying to rebuild their My city. Goodness. Yeah. And then the 62 weeks would be the next 434 years that would lead to the birth and ultimately death of Jesus Christ. That's a long time. Long time. So when you add 62 plus 7, you get 69, and therefore there's one week remaining, right? Okay. So those total up to 490 years, but we're missing seven years. We fulfilled 483, and we need seven. 
So that's that's as difficult as the math ever gets. <laughs> but it's it's strange to me that churches don't really teach this because it's so central to understanding everything that's even happening now. Yeah, I definitely did not know about this. All right. So uh, Cyrus has come in 450. Christ was crucified in 33 AD. We get a total of 483 years. And then verse 26 of the chapter, Daniel 9, it says, And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. There's even a prediction of his death, right? He's cut off, but not for himself. He died for the sins. He yes. died for Israel and the world. Uh, and then it says, And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And so the prince that shall come is another person. So it's not Jesus. It's not Messiah. So he's Messiah, the prince. He comes, and then he's cut off. Then there's the prince that shall come is another person. And we read a little bit more about him in the next verse. It says, And he, the prince that shall come, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Well, there's our seven years. So there's a gap between when Messiah is cut off and the prince that shall come confirms the covenant. And we're going to talk about that gap today. Okay. That's a big mystery. And it's referred to in the Bible, this time period is referred to as the dispensation of grace, you know, where God was dealing with mankind on the basis of a different program, not Israel's promises because they got cut away. They rejected Christ, so Christ, God rejected them. Okay. And he will fulfill his promise to them. But for now, as remember, we talked about he hid his face from them. Mm -hmm. He turned his face away. Okay. So we're going to talk about confirming the covenant for one week. Now, the second half of verse 26 was the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, which would have been rebuilt. Right. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And under the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, we probably won't get into a whole lot about the flood and the desolations today because that's a whole other subject we can talk about. And I think it has something to do with the re-established Jerusalem being Mystery Babylon. Okay. And she's destroyed with a flood. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it probably has something to do with that. But we're going to talk about this prince that shall come. Yeah, I want to know who this prince is. Who is this guy? Okay. So Christ warned about these times when he was preaching on the earth before they cut him off, before he was crucified. And we read in Matthew 24 some words about this time. So we're going to get some idea of what's coming. So we'll start in verse 1 because there's a context here. Jesus is with his disciples. They're walking around in Jerusalem, and the disciples were showing him the temple and how beautiful it was. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the one that was rebuilt from the decree of Cyrus. Okay. With potentially some modifications because it's been 434 years. Yeah. And uh, different kings might have added to it or done things, whatever. You know, so it may not be the exact original building, but it's, been, it's the basic temple that was rebuilt. And verse 1 says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Kind of like they're saying, look how pretty this is. <laughs> and Jesus said unto them, see you not all these things, as they're looking at everything in the temple. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. So he's prophesying and predicting the destruction of this temple, which is gone. That temple was destroyed in 70 AD, about 37 years after Christ died, you know. Yeah, the Roman 
army came in because they were under Roman occupation in the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Rome was the empire of the world, and Israel was subject to them. Well, at some point, there was enough rebellion because nations rebel from empires, and Israel was no different. They yeah. tried to break free, and Rome said, <laughs> we're going to stop, put a stop to this, and they destroyed Jerusalem, burned it to the ground, pulled the temple down, and one stone was not left upon another. And they, who they didn't kill, they were scattered to the four winds. My so goodness. they were very oppressive. Rome was a horrible nation. Uh, verse 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came up to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? When, are the, when is the, thing, the building going to be destroyed? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So really it's three questions in one. Yeah. Because he was talking about the destruction of the temple. Mm-hmm. But evidently, other things he may have said to them before this may have put them in the mindset of, all this is going to coincide together. Destruction mm-hmm. of the temple, you're going to se- your second coming, yeah. and the end of the world. Lots of foreshadowing. Yeah, so what are all these things? And as it turns out, they were three separate events. Mm-hmm. You know? So he begins to answer in verse 4. He answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So he's beginning to let them know that there's false Christs that are going to appear. So like Satan and yes. all his little Ig- friends. Exactly. <laughs> and one guy in particular, Antichrist. Yes. Who actually will find out is the prince that shall come. Oh. Because he's a prince. See, he's a, a fall, he's an angelic type. Well, he's not an angel. He's a man, but Satan empowers him. Okay. okay. So we'll go to the book of Hosea next because here we get an idea of some timing, okay? Hosea chapter 5 verse 15 was when Christ was rejected and this is after he said these words obviously when he was speaking to the disciples in Matthew. But this is a prophecy of what ultimately happened. He said, "I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face." In their affliction, they will seek me early. So we talked about this passage before. He's hiding his face till they make their confession, till they acknowledge their offense. But he's saying that in their affliction, they will seek me early. So affliction is is persecution, suffering, trauma, whatever. It's going to be the final seven years. That is referred to in the Bible as the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob is Israel. So it's the nation. It's referring to the nation. So what's going to happen is persecution and things as a result of the Antichrist will come about, and that's when they're going to turn and say, God, help us. We're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Please come back to us. And that's what's coming. So talk about foreshadowing. This is, this is okay. what that is. Okay. Now, in Revelation chapter 11, we can start to see a breakdown of the seven years. Believe it or not, even the seven years has a division of time, and it's half. So half of seven is three and a half. So we're going to start to see some references to a time of three and a half years. But sometimes the Bible breaks it down into months, and sometimes it breaks it down into days. Yes. Right? So in Revelation chapter 11, we can can start to glean some things and put some pieces together. Uh, Verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1, there was given me a rod, like uh, a reed rather, excuse me, like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. So the book of Revelation, future things. Okay. John wrote it, the apostle, and there's an angel telling him what to do and what to write. 
And he's saying measure the temple. Well, remember, that temple was destroyed. Yes. When Christ had said not one stone will be left upon another. So this time refers to long after that temple's been gone, which okay. tells me another temple is going to be built. Yes. There has to be one because when that temple is rebuilt, this prince that shall come is actually going to desecrate it with something we'll read about later, which is a Christ called the abomination. Okay. You know, abomination of desolation. So he's essentially going to do something to cause the temple to be polluted so that they can't offer their sacrifices according to the law of Moses. Okay. Okay. So verse two says, but the court, which is without the temple, in other words, don't leave it out. Don't measure that. Uh, and measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city, Jerusalem, shall they tread underfoot 40 and two months. So treading underfoot is like an occupying army, you know? Okay. So Gentiles are still going to be treading underfoot the outer court and the city of Jerusalem during this time. Well, 42 months is three and a half years. If okay. you divide and it. And Gentiles are non Right. Okay. So we would be considered Gentiles from the standpoint of the Bible. Okay. You know, if you're saved, you're a child of God, so he sees no distinction. You know, in Christ, we're all the same. But in the, from the world's viewpoint, there's the Jew and the Gentile. Okay. Or from the, from the Bible viewpoint of those that don't know the Lord. You know? So a Jew, well, a Jew can know the Lord. That's true. I mean, they're, they're his people. But anybody that was a non-Jew would have been called a Gentile. And sometimes they use the term uncircumcision. Because traditionally, it was the Jews that circumcised the males, and the Gentiles did not. Yes. Okay. To some extent, that's no longer as clear distinction anymore, because at some point in America, it became customary to circumcise male babies yes. in the hospital. Very true. Whether they were Jewish or not. Mm -hmm. Whereas that wasn't a practice like in Europe. And I don't think it um, is still a practice in Europe. I think majority of people are still are still non-circumcised. Right, yeah, in Europe. And now today it's been more of a choice. They don't automatically do it, mm -hmm. you know. But there was, it was funny, there was a time when it was just done. And I, and I think there was even uh, a, um, a belief perhaps that it was like a, uh, a health or sanitary type thing. Yes. It was unnecessary, but they did it anyway. Mm -hmm. you know? With God, it was a covenant token. It had never been any medicinal thing or, or health thing. It was always a covenant, you know. So anyway, strange, strange times. <laughs> <laughs> so back to Daniel chapter 9 then, when we read in verse 27, and he, the prince that shall come, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, seven years, right? Okay. And we're we're going to get to who the prince is more specifically in a moment, but we've, we've already let, let the cat out the bag. Yeah, we, we know it's the Antichrist. But it says, and in the midst of the week, the midst, the middle of mm -hmm. the week, uh, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Sacrifice and oblation would be back like under the law of Moses when they offered lambs and bulls and whatever for sin offerings and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, there were food offerings. There were peace offerings. There was incense. All these things under the Levitical priesthood were done according to the law. So he's going to say, okay, at some point when the seven years begins, he's going to make a covenant with the nation Israel at that time. Mm -hmm. And he's going to say, go ahead and build your temple and go ahead and do your sacrifices again. And it's possible that they're going to start building at the beginning of the seven years, or it's possible that they might begin it before that, 
you know, who knows. But that's the reason why the angel was able to tell John to measure the temple, because it has been rebuilt as of the time of Revelation. Okay. okay. So now we're going to tie the two things together because when the covenant is made, it appears to be the permission they can do so. And the reason why that's important is because right now in Jerusalem, where the temple is supposed to be, there's a mosque. Now, what is a mosque? The mosque is a, is a holy church building for the Muslims. Okay. Okay. So a tiny bit of history tells us that after Israel was destroyed in 70 AD by the Roman Empire, there wasn't an Israel for thousands of years. Not until 1948, officially, were they back in the land and declared to be a nation, politically speaking. Whoa. So that whole region was known for a long time as Palestine. Okay. Okay. And uh, it's still the land of Canaan. But it's just had different names over the ages. And do you remember in history ever discussing something called the Crusades? Ooh, does that sound very familiar? Yeah. It's, it's usually touched on in like high school maybe or something mm -hmm. like that. But it was a time, it, you've heard of the term the Dark Ages. Yes. Or the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it was during that time when there were like nations being formed in Europe, you know, after the Roman Empire collapsed. And then, you know, Charlemagne began France and yeah. whatever. William the Conqueror began Germany, whatever. And then eventually there was an England and all that stuff. Well, at some point around the, I forget the years now, so I'm going to show my ignorance, but around 1100, 1200 AD, Jerusalem got besieged and conquered by the Muslims because there was no Islamic religion until 600 AD. Okay. So it was the newest religion of all the religions. If you count Judaism and Christianity, they were the third one to come along. Which would make sense as to why Muslims do get, uh, what is the word, circumcised. Yeah, they, they borrow a lot of their beliefs from Hebrew writings, okay. Judaism. And if you read like the Quran, which is their holy book, they, they get things out of place. Uh -huh. You know, like they've got Noah living at the same time as Abraham, which didn't happen. But uh, it, ultimately what they're doing is they're trying to say, we're taking some things from this and a few things from that. Mm -hmm. They acknowledge Jesus, they acknowledge Mary, but they don't acknowledge them as who they are in the Bible. Okay. They think of him as maybe a prophet or somebody else, but the final prophet was Muhammad to them. Okay. Okay. So anyway, all that said, once they were founded around 600 AD, their belief was anyone that didn't agree with what they taught was an infidel. So they believed that they should conquer them and therefore they spread through the sword where like Christianity didn't spread through violence at all. Uh, unless you want to argue and say sometimes the Catholic Church got involved with some <laughs> violent things, and they did. Uh, and kings controlled by the Catholic Church could have done some things wrong. Mm -hmm. But ultimately what happened was they conquered Jerusalem, and it was no longer the holy city of antiquity to the Christian world. So a king in England decided we've got to go free it, and they sent the crusaders, knights, to go fight and deliver Jerusalem back from, back then they called them the Saracens, or today we would say Islam. Okay. okay. So there was many, many years of war back and forth between them until they finally, I think they did gain control of it ultimately. A lot of bloodshed, a lot of bad stuff happened yeah. during that time. So uh, anyway, 
ultimately, England kind of became a protectorate of the region of Palestine until World War I, and then some things took place there, and ultimately it led to Israel becoming a modern nation today. Okay. Okay. So that's just a short history for anybody. that You can certainly go discover and dig into that <laughs> and get a lot more details. But um, all of that being said, right now on the site of the temple is a mosque. So when you ask, why is that? It's because of all this history. Therefore, for the Muslim, Mecca is their main holy city, but Jerusalem is considered one too. And if the Jews in Israel right now were to decide, we're going to bulldoze this mosque and build our temple again, all hell would break loose. Yes. There would be global war. I mean, it would just be crazy. Okay. So it's a political thing. It's a, it's a, touchy subject. It's the third rail, you know? <laughs> so anyway, uh, something's going to have to happen to allow that temple to be rebuilt. Evidently, this man, the prince that shall come, is going to somehow bring all these parties together to agree, and they're going to make a covenant. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game. And we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true. So you can help us use the satanic global elites own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries premium podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. And the temple's going to be built. Okay. So that's what it looks like it's going to happen. But once they do that, the truly Orthodox Jews are thinking, great, we've got a temple. We can go back and do our sacrifices as we've always done under the law of Moses. And they're going to be thrilled, and evidently he's going to stop it after three and a half years. Either he's going to stop it before they start, and maybe it takes three and a half years to build the temple, or he's going to stop the, the sacrifices after three and a half years, and he's going to go in there and do something in that temple to desecrate it. Losers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and when you see what he's going to do, it's really bad. So that's why Daniel calls it, for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That's the last part of verse 27, the last verse of Daniel chapter 9. Now, that sounds like gobbledygook to me. Yes. You know, I was like, how many $10 words can you squeeze into that sentence there? <laughs> but ultimately what he's saying is he's going to do this thing I just described. He's going to desecrate the temple and cause it to be, God's going to say, I, I'm not keeping this building. You've polluted it, you know. And ultimately what he does is he sets up an image of himself, puts it in the temple, in the holy place, and says, I'm God. 
Whoa. That's how we know this prince that shall come is the Antichrist, is the bad guy. So to get the, to fill in the blanks, mm -hmm. we go back to Matthew. And Christ okay. gave us some information there. And he actually refers to that abomination we just read, but he places, he words it a little differently. So remember we were talking about not one stone shall be upon another. Mm -hmm. So he mentioned the destruction of the temple. Now he didn't piece together or he didn't tell the 12 in his answers there would be 2,000 years between the destruction of the temple and the coming of the prince, okay. the Antichrist, all right? He didn't tell him anything about that. So you wouldn't know that was going to happen until reading other scriptures. Yes. So if you were sitting there as one of the 12 disciples listening to Jesus answer this, in your mind, you're thinking, this is going to all happen in my lifetime because mm -hmm. he's giving you the answer, right? Yes. Okay. So he said, uh, take heed that no man deceive you in verse 4. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So the end is, part of their question was, when is the end of the world? So that's the end, the end of the world, all right? For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Now, when he says that, when is there a time in human history when there have not been nations fighting nations? That's so true. <laughs> so obviously there's always been war. Yes. At least at some point in history, you can go find nations fighting somewhere. So he's not talking about just war in general. He must be talking about specific nations. And actually he is. And that's a subject for maybe another podcast. But in the same book of Daniel, he refers to some wars that are going to take place between a king of the north and a king of the south. And in, the, in between the north and the south is Israel. So south is, is technically Egypt, mm -hmm. and north is technically Syria, and the king of the north, we'll find out, is the Antichrist. So we know something about this man. He's going to be a Syrian and a Jew. Yep, we'll know something about his background. For him to be able to make a covenant, he has to be part Jewish. Yes. And then for him to be the king of the north, he would have to be part Syrian. And so somehow that's going to blend together. So if anybody's looking to see who the Antichrist is, start looking at their genealogy. Right. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to tie in. But he's called the Assyrian oppressor in the Old Testament, you know, and things like that. So anyway, uh, these wars and rumors of wars would have to be wars between the North and the South and not U.S., talking about Syria and Egypt. Okay. Okay. <laughs> See that you be not troubled, all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. You could almost make the same point. We've had earthquakes for many, many centuries. Yes. This must be something specific, something significant. Like these earthquakes are major. Remember when we talked about Isaiah 24 and the earth reeling to and fro like a drunkard? Yes. And turning upside down? These are those earthquakes. That's what he's talking about when this happens. And then verse 8, all these, now this is the irony, are the beginning of sorrows. Wait, what? This is just <laughs> the beginning of sorrows, okay? In other words, worse is yet to come. So you think if the world is flipping upside down, that's yeah. as bad as it gets, right? Not the worst. Just the beginning of sorrows. Wars, deceivers, all that, just the beginning of sorrows. Then he goes on, he says, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. So the believers are going to be persecuted in the midst of all this. You know, you'd think they wouldn't have time for that. Right. They're going to deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And remember we said in Hosea, in your affliction, they will seek me. 
Yes. Here's the affliction, persecution of the Antichrist going after the believers. Okay. Okay. And the believers in this case are Israel. Okay. Yeah. So the focus is on Israel because recall, uh, we've discussed in the past and we'll talk about it in more detail at some point, uh, the event that a lot of Christians call the rapture which is when the body of Christ leaves the world. Well, we're delivered from the wrath to come, so we're not the ones going through this time. It is Israel's time to go through. And the unbelieving Gentile world, some Gentiles will turn to God during that time, mm-hmm. uh, but, and, and, and many Jews. So uh, it's really their time of affliction, okay? And he says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, verse 9, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. That verse 10, to me, kind of sounds like today. You know, everybody's getting offended at everything you say or do, and they hate you for it, and they betray one another. I see betrayal going on politically everywhere. I know. It's so so just annoying that, like, we... I understand we're all going to have different viewpoints, different beliefs, but at the end of the day, I don't think our viewpoints and beliefs should be the be-all, end-all of, like, a friendship. I feel like of course. I should be able to respect you, you should be able to respect me, right. and if we can't come to a mutual agreement about a topic, then we just can't talk about that topic. Exactly. And that's not what's going on. People are, you know, unfriending you, um, belittling you, uh, saying, how could you vote for this person? How could you believe this? How right. could you believe that? And it's just like... We are all human. We know we are definitely far <laughs> from perfect, right. but I'm going to love you for who you are and you should love me for who I am. And if you can't, then I guess you've got to go. That's what Christ said. That's what Dr. King said. Right. I mean, that everybody that had any wisdom about them said, can we get past the divisions? Yes. And can we unite as brothers and sisters? You know, because ultimately that's what we are. Yes. And that's to me, Satan's plan, divide and conquer. And he's doing a great job because we are literally living in the past. We are allowing the past to yeah. eat itself. It's crazy. And not learning from it. Yeah. You know, look at the past when they divided and they were conquered or put under some sort of totalitarian mm-hmm. regime. And are you honestly thinking that it's not going to happen again Yeah. if we keep doing this? But I think Satan wants that because ultimately if... If a nation gets divided and becomes conquered through some totalitarian system, mm-hmm. he wants that because he ultimately wants to be the totalitarian. Yes. He wants to be the king of the earth. He's trying to take God's place, right? Hence this abomination that we're getting no. to. Yeah. So verse 11 says, Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. In other words, sin will get worse and worse. Men will not no longer be afraid to do horrible things. You know, it's going to be unleashed, right? What? The thing that's really holding man back from being as wicked as he could possibly be is the spirit of God in the believers. Well, in the rapture, we're taken out of the way, so it's like all the chains are lifted, and Satan and his people are allowed to go hog wild. My goodness. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. And then verse 14, uh, verse 13 says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And that enduring to the end is a specific thing for that national program for Israel. They're going to be on trial. You know, this is, are you really going to be faithful? Because you've dogged me so many times, Israel, and I've turned to you and I've received you back again and again and again. And finally, I put turned my face from you because you rejected my son. So now you're saying we want you to come back, God, and, he's, and God's going to say, okay, prove it. 
show me that you love me, right? Will you give up your life for Christ? And that's what's going to happen. They're going to endure to the end to be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, which was what Jesus was preaching when he was alive, mm -hmm. shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So the end of the world is going to come after all these things take place and Christ returns. But there's a significant event that sort of marks the beginning of the end. So he first he said there was this is the beginning of sorrows. Yes. Then the worst of it that's going to come starts here, verse 15. And this is what I was going for. He says, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. Well, the holy place is in the temple. Yes. Standing up is like you, if you were to walk in there where you don't belong. We've talked about the temple and the tabernacle from the Old Testament, and we talked about how the high priest was only allowed to go into the inner sanctuary. Yeah, and they had to put a, a bell on his foot just in case he didn't come out. Right, right. They would tie they, the bells were on the the fringe of his garment, his robe, mm -hmm. and the rope or thread of something was tied on his foot so that if he happened to die. While he was in there, they could pull him out, you know. Right, because they couldn't go in there. They couldn't go in there, or they would die because the Lord's glory was in the holiest place of, over the, the cherubs on the Ark of the Covenant, you know. Mm -hmm. So the high priest would go in there to sprinkle the blood of the sacrifices for the nation, and he did this once a year, so they were only allowed to go in once a year. Mm -hmm. Well, this guy's going to go in there and desecrate the temple. And he's not going to die, see? So he's going to declare himself to be God. Because, look, I went in here. I must be God. I didn't oh, die, you know? That's so rude. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's beyond rude. <laughs> and so that's why he's saying when you see this abomination of desolation, stand in the holy place. And then he puts in parentheses, whoso readeth, let him understand. As if this is important, you better get a hold of this. Yes. So this is the sign of something, all right? So the Gentiles are going to tread the court down for 42 months, three and a half years. Then the middle of the week comes. That's when this happens. And in the midst of the week, he's going to make the abomination of desolation. And when the believing Jews see that, that's their sign to go, uh-oh, we better get out of here. Yes. Get out of Judea, he said. And he, the next several verses are run. Don't take the time to run in the house to get your coat. Just run. Get out of Israel. Get out of Judea. Because that means that he's coming after you, and God's about to destroy Jerusalem, which is Babylon, the mother of harlots. Mm -hmm. At that moment, she becomes whatever Antichrist has distorted her into being. Yeah. Okay? Revelation chapter 13 is a picture of what the abomination is, okay. all right? So chapter 13, we start in verse 14, and we read about this man of sin. He's called the son of perdition. He's the antichrist. He's the beast. He's all these words, right? He rises up out of the earth and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. And we're really talking about the false prophet because there's two guys involved. There's the beast himself, the Antichrist, and he has a false prophet who helps to deceive everybody to worship the beast. Okay. So he says, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. What is an image? It's an idol, right? If you carve something, what did God say to Israel? Make no graven image. Yes. So he's violating every law, right, that there is. So the false prophet says, make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did he live. 
he's going to somehow be killed and rise up again, emulating God, right? And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And part of me wonders, could the image be like a hologram? Ooh, I didn't even think about that. You know, haven't there been, uh, aren't there artists that have died that they put holograms of them performing a song as yes. though they were still alive, you know? There's actually a museum in Seattle where they have like a hologram. I think it's either Prince or Michael Jackson of them like just kind of like dancing yeah. around. It's super cool. But it looks real. It does. Yeah. It does look real. So maybe that technology will get so advanced that that's another way they're going to do this. Who knows? That would be super scary. Very scary. <laughs> and it says, uh, he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. This is verse 15. That the image of the beast uh, should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So they have to worship him or they'll put him to death. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And of course, we know something about that number. It's 603 score and six. Nasty number. The image of the beast is going to be placed in the holy place. That's the abomination of desolation. When they make this idol, whether it's a stone idol or a hologram, I don't know. Yeah. But whatever the image is, it's going to be placed in the temple and it's going to speak. So I would imagine he's going to put cameras there to let everybody see it, you know, some kind of way to show the world, yes. I'm God. He's basically declaring himself to be God. Is what he's doing this whole time. So this is sort of like the final straw of man's rebellion against God. And from this point forward, God's about to open these seals and all hell's going to break loose on earth. So you think the earthquakes and things were bad? There's these demoniac creatures that are about to come out of the bottomless pit that are going to start to attack men. And they're locusts with scorpion stings in their tails. And there's these fiery horsemen that come out of the Euphrates River. It's crazy stuff. Plagues, uh, all kind of things. You know, it's nuts. All right. I hope I'm not around <laughs> for that. Well, the good news is you won't be if you're already saved. Okay. Because if you're saved in Christ, like I mentioned a little bit earlier today, and we weren't focusing on that, but we're delivered from the wrath to come. So the rapture is how we're delivered. The rapture okay. is how we're rescued before the wrath falls. It can't even begin until we're gone. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that is just very terrifying. That should give people great comfort. And, and for those that don't have a faith in Christ, it should give you uh, concern. You should think, hmm, do I want to go through that and take my chances, or do I want nope. to get saved now? You know, So I would strongly recommend you believe on Jesus Christ now uh, as your Savior. Now, speaking of an image with the little bit of time we have left, that image is going to set up, we talked about, is it, a, is it a statue, is it a hologram? But we've talked about something very similar to this in the past before when we were talking about Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And remember, he had a dream about an image of gold and silver and bronze? Yes. That was back in Daniel chapter 2. And is this possibly a type of this? Because if we read it again, without going through the whole thing, just a synopsis of it, in verse 31, Daniel's interpreting the dream or telling him what the dream was. And he said, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, the same word, 
<laughs> the great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Now, we won't go into the whole thing about that, but you remember us when we discussed yes. that, right? And uh, the image there. Well, that image is a picture of the political power that leads up to the Antichrist. So the, the head of gold, we might recall we talked about, uh, I'll skip to that part, was Babylon, the first empire under Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. The breast, uh, or the silver, was Persia. The belly and thighs of brass was Greece, and the legs of iron are Rome. So those are the four kingdoms that lead up to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back. So it's essentially, we're still in the Roman Empire, but we're in this gap period. So what happened was, Christ said, after they accused him of casting out devils by the power of the devil, he started speaking in parables, and it was to hide the truth from them. And the twelve asked him, why do you speak in parables? And now, what's a parable? A parable is like a story, but there's a, you don't know the secret of how the story, what does it mean? Okay. So it's sort of like an analogy, if, you know, I, and I can't think of a, a good modern analogy except maybe like Aesop's fables or something, but, you know, uh, that's not really a good one. So if I just use one of Christ's parables, he said, you know, a sower went out to sow in the seed in the field, and he scattered seed, and, and some fell on stony ground and it couldn't spring up. Some, the birds ate it and ran away with it, and some fell on good ground and sprang up good fruit or good weed or whatever. So uh, it's a parable, and then later on he explained to the disciples what it meant, that the, the sower was the, is God or Christ, the seed is the gospel, the, um, the good fertile ground is those that receive it and believe it and produce fruit, okay. the devil was the birds that snatched it away from the ones that didn't believe, and the stony ground was uh, where it fell on some people that they just couldn't do it. We can't believe this, you know. Okay. So it's a type of something. It's a picture of something. And he never spoke that way prior to that moment. When they accused him of, of doing this, he said that was blasphemy. So he started speaking in this parable cryptic form. Mm -hmm. And when they asked him why he was doing that, he said, because to you disciples, it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it's not given because they blasphemed. So he was hiding the truth from the unbelievers. Well, Satan did the same thing. His empire was the Roman Empire. It was all of these, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, but ultimately it was Rome in the days of Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, when Christ was crucified and he realized he'd been defeated, his kingdom went into mystery form. He, he emulates God constantly. Mm -hmm. Kingdom of heaven went into mystery form. Satan's kingdom went into mystery form. The Roman Empire is in mystery form right now. We're still in it. You know, because really? it's going to rise again when he comes back, the prince that shall come, mm -hmm. you know, to set up this thing. So we're, we actually didn't get to the reason for the 2,000 years. We were just about to, but we ran out of time. Oh, no. <laughs> Unfortunately. So we will pick up right here next week, and we're going to go ahead and get into the 2,000 years more specifically, because we focused a little bit more on the coming prince this time. All right? So... Anything unclear to you? Does it kind of make sense? It all makes sense. I just really want to know about why there was the stop in time. That's right. Well, tune in next week then because we're going to discuss that. Uh, next week. We know there's a 2,000-year gap. Mm -hmm. And some people say, well, why do you keep saying it's a 2,000-year gap? Well, technically because it's been 2,000 years since Christ died. Yes. But there's another verse in Scripture that might be a clue as to when he might be coming back. 
So we'll look into that, Lord willing, next week. Yes, we will. Thank you guys so much for listening in on our podcast. Please like and subscribe. Always comment down below anything new you've learned or something that you would like us to go over. Yep. And we always appreciate so much that you guys tune in each week. We're close to 9,000 subscribers. That's crazy. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.